From South Carolina Public Radio, this is a special South Carolina Lead SC 2024 episode. I'm Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 18, 2023 at South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. This pod is the second of several dedicated to the South Carolina 2024 Republican presidential primary. Every other Tuesday, we're releasing an in-depth episode that looks at the people, stories, places, and history of what makes the First in the South primary such an integral part of the road to the White House, which runs directly through the Palmetto State every four years. Through several interviews with current and former party officials, professors, operatives, politicians, and staffers, we bring you the history, context, and some behind-the-scenes insight that you won't find anywhere else. Today's episode looks at the people who make up the South Carolina Republican presidential primary, and the regions they reside in in our state. And to do that, we have Mylon Schechter taking the wheel. We'll hear from her in a moment. But folks, there's no wind down in this episode. I'm sorry. You're going to have to do that on your own. I, Gavin, Wait, I, I t- t- no, I just, please, I just no. got a new cat. No, we are not. No, no, no. Mylon, please help me. Give him a couple. Give him, you, can, you can do it. Oh. Yeah. There, like yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> that was Mylon Schechter, folks. She's a natural here. Uh, but Mylon, go ahead and uh, take the wheel. Thank you so much, Gavin. This is Mayan Schechter, Gavin Jackson's co-host, right-hand helper, passenger seat driver, though I am not touching the radio, on this South Carolina journey to the White House. Over the next five-ish months, you're going to be bombarded by ads, candidates, and a lot of -of out-of-state visitors curious about South Carolina's weight in the 2024 presidential election. Yes, we're important, and don't you forget it because no South Carolina politico will let you on both sides of the political aisle. But we're here to get you, dear listeners, those answers and more, including insight over the coming weeks as we more deeply explore our primary history and, yes, again, why we matter. So let's go back in time. Um... two weeks ago, when Gavin and I explored why South Carolina is important in the presidential picking contest, specifically the GOP primary race, and how South Carolina finally became number one in the South every four years. For episode two, I've got my driver on this journey, Mr. Jackson. Hey, Gavin. Hey, Mayan. Did we talk enough about the state's importance in that whole episode? Uh, Maybe they didn't get it, but let's talk about the demographics, (laughs) the regions, the advertising. I think think they Uh, got it. Oh. I think they got it. (laughs) Right now, we've got to dive deeper into the primary waters, but not so deep that we're holding onto the pool walls, but deep (laughs) enough so that listeners have a better idea of exactly who makes up the state GOP. So South Carolina has a few distinct regions. There's the Midlands. That's where the capital is based and party headquarters. The Low Country, right on the coast. The PD, home to the Darlington Raceway, your beloved Bucky's, of course. Mm. And the Grand Strand, home of Myrtle Beach in Horry County and popular among retirees and uh, bachelor parties. And the Upstate, that's your Greenville-Spartanburg area of the state, not too far from the Georgia border, home to manufacturing companies like BMW, Michelin, Milliken, Lockheed, There's Bob Jones University, and I can't forget the giant peach. Each region is unique, and the voters who make up those regions are also unique. Here's Rob Godfrey, a former Nikki Haley aide and party official with the SCGOP. You know, you talk about in the upstate, you've got a strong evangelical pocket of voters um, who've always been in, important to candidates um, as they've campaigned across the state, and and they've uh, always been a strong part of the calculation of of candidates 
even today, as you saw the Never Back Down group, that's the outside group that's supporting Governor Ron DeSantis, they've made hires uh, of activists who have strong ties to the evangelical community and the organizing community up in the upstate because they believe that's still an important and crucial voting block in the state. Um, you've got the Midlands where um, you have Lexington County, another vote-rich county, where, uh, where President Trump famously held a chicken bog in 2016, where uh, then Lieutenant Governor Henry McMaster endorsed him for president, became the first um, statewide office holder to endorse him. And you've got the low country in Charleston, where you have, uh, as I talk about them, uh, conservative conservationists, a little bit different kind of uh, conservative voter who have a little bit of a libertarian streak about them. Uh, made famous by by folks like former Governor Mark Sanford. So you have a really diverse set of conservative voters in South Carolina um, who make it a real litmus test for candidates as they are testing their viability nationwide in these in these early states. Um, you know, if you can win in South Carolina and put a coalition together, um, that bodes well for you as you head into states like Florida that are bigger and into and into a contest like Super Tuesday. And don't even get me started on getting the names of the regions right. Oof, no, you can't mess that up. Pro tip. <laughs> if you're running for elected office, know it's low country. One word and upstate, period. Some folks say upcountry. That might be an older term, but just stick with upstate, folks. Now, before we get into the weeds over the regions and the counties, which you'll hear much more about in our third episode, let's talk about the state as a whole and the huge change that occurred in the last decade. We grew by a lot of people. South Carolina now boasts a population of over 5 million people, according to the 2020 U.S. Census. Areas around the coast, like Horry County in particular, have recorded a boom in population growth. And state GOP leaders say that's a good sign for them because of who is moving and why they're moving here. How you doing? Trey Walker is the chief of staff for Governor Henry McMaster. Trey has a long track record of running campaigns and also worked on John McCain's two presidential bids. And he explains more. The in-migration that's happening in the Charlotte metro area and the Research Triangle area, Chapel Hill, Durham, Metro Atlanta, is very different than the in-migration we're seeing here in South Carolina. You know, if you're going to, if you want to live in Asheville, North Carolina, you want to live in Chapel Hill or Raleigh or Charlotte or Atlanta or outside of Atlanta, politics probably doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, and those folks who are doing that are usually either upwardly mobile professionals with young families, things like that. The basis of the immigration we're getting is mostly retirees. Um, we're getting some younger folks, but it's very heavily retirees, those pensioners that I talk about. So I think it's a blessing for us that we're not getting the type of immigration that they are in other. Now, I will say this. I have recently seen polling to where, it, and these are just Republican primary voters, but in migration is becoming a bigger issue among voters now. And the number one thing that they're concerned about is the possibility of the culture being changed or altered by this in migration. We didn't dive too far into the cross tabs on that one, but I think in migration is becoming an issue on the coast. You know, it's something the governor's talking about with preservation uh, and conservation efforts, because once you pave paradise, it's gone. 
And Gavin, the state GOP is able to capture that migration almost in real time. Remember, South Carolina does not have political party registration, but several other states do. And that gives state parties a data-heavy snapshot of whether they're adding more people to their voter rolls. Here's state GOP chairman Drew McKissick. Well, I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of growth here in South Carolina in recent years. Uh, a lot of new people coming into South Carolina. Well, who are they? Well, you know, once every, uh, I'd say every quarter, you know, we get uh, lists from the Republican National Committee of new known Republicans moving to South Carolina. And they'll also give us a breakdown of, say, you know, Democrats versus Republicans who are moving in, whether they're moving from a state where they had to register by party, for example, so they know they were a registered Republican, a registered Democrat, or their primary voting history and so forth. Uh, so we're able to look at that and get kind of a, a fix on, you know, who and where, who's moving in and where are they moving in the state. What you've seen along Grand Strand uh, is a lot of, you know, Republican retirees are moving into that area. Uh, you know, someone who uh, I think um, uh, worked with uh, economic development here in the state told me about two years ago that you could look at a map of South Carolina and sort of draw a line about 40 miles north of Charleston, and everybody who's moving in north of that line are blue-collar retirees, and everybody south of that line are white-collar retirees. That might be an exaggeration, but generally, I think that's probably you know, a good way to look at it. So back to that burning question we posed earlier, who makes up the South Carolina Republican Party? And a new question, how does that dictate how candidates, in this case presidential hopefuls, run? We talked to State Representative R.J. May, a Lexington County-based political consultant and vice chair of the House Freedom Caucus. He gave us a 30,000-foot view. Well, you, you've got a couple different cross-sections throughout South Carolina. Uh, obviously, the anchor of the, the Republican base is the upstate. The Greenville DMA uh, accounts for a large portion of the presidential vote. When we look at statewide races across South Carolina, you've got two different categories, essentially. Your, your normal Republican primary, which happens in June, uh, will your elect governor and, and Senate candidates. Then you have your presidential, which is in February. We expect double turnout, if not more, during a presidential election uh, presidential preference primary here than we do a, a gubernatorial or senatorial race. Uh, when we're looking at Senate numbers, you're looking at 360, 380,000 people voting. Uh, last 2016, we had 740,000 people vote in the presidential. And Greenville, Spartanburg, that, that DMA accounts for roughly one of three Republican presidential votes across the state. Uh, four counties in particular account for one of four votes uh, Republican votes in a presidential. That's Greenville, Spartanburg, Pickens, and Anderson. Uh, with those four counties, uh, if you perform strongly, um, you you will perform strongly across the state. So in in my view, making inroads in the upstate is is key to any statewide campaign here in South Carolina, but particularly a presidential. Uh, the couple other areas that you need to look at is uh, O'Ree County uh, out on the coast, Lexington here in the Midlands, and Buford, Charleston, Dorchester, Berkeley area. Coincidentally, all those areas are some of the fastest growing counties in South Carolina. O'Ree was the fastest, the number one fastest growing county. I believe Greenville was the number three fastest growing county. Uh, but for me, as, as I look at it as a uh, political strategist, I don't necessarily care about the population of a place. I care about the number of Republican votes that are in a place. Now, often they correlate, but when, when I look to, to figure out where to spend resources, it will be where the most Republican votes are, because the vote in Greenville is the same as a vote in Bamberg. That's a good snapshot right there of the state at large and something we'll be diving into more and more over this podcast series. But in short, South Carolina's population is growing. I mean, have you seen the interstate expansion projects going on all over our state? 
because I'm always on the road and there's always road work going on. Slow down, let them work, let them live. But the population is also trending slightly older, as Trey Walker mentioned, with young professionals in particular looking at Charlotte and your hometown, Mayan, Atlanta. Mm, talk about traffic. Oh, you can gripe about it on the fake wind down. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm from D.C. We can all talk about traffic all day. But let's talk about the regions here in South Carolina. And there's no better place to start, in my opinion, than the Midlands because we live here and we're recording this podcast from here. And I mean, hello, we're the capital of the state house. All the magic happens five months out of the year right here with the legislature in town. So like every region in South Carolina, people are going to tell you this is the dividing line and this is the boundary line. Uh, I definitely know that from being in the PD for several years. But for the Midlands, we're going to define it as 12 counties, give or take, stretching from around Aiken and Edgefield near the Georgia border all the way up to Chester, Lancaster, and York, which is closer to North Carolina. Richland is right smack dab in the middle and is one of the few blue counties in the state. Lexington, right across the river, is definitely not. Now, does the Midlands have a political identity? Well, here's Trey Walker again. The Midlands, in my mind, is balkanized. You know, you don't have that sense of low country unity. You don't have that sort of I-85 corridor pride. We're balkanized. You've got very Republican Lexington County, although it's Lexington County is becoming, in my mind, a little bit less traditional. Your grandfather's Lexington County and more a new Lexington County made up of a lot of immigration, a lot of folks that are moving out of areas and rural areas and in. So it's it's a different. But then you've got right next is Richland County, and it's a bastion of the Democratic Party. You know, that Rich, Richland County is what Democrats statewide used to rely on for that 60, 70, 80,000 vote margin coming out of Richland County to offset the Greenvilles, the Lexingtons, the Charlestons. Charleston used to be reliably Republican. Now Charleston is now a jump ball. You know, the Midlands has never really had that identity, that Midlands identity. And so politically, when you've got two counties that are separated by a river but are so divergent from each other on ideological spectrum, you don't have that. So the Midlands is always kind of an interesting, interesting thing. You, you, you run up your numbers in Lexington. You run up your numbers. If you're Democrat, you run them up in Richland County. And when issues happen at the state house, you don't see the Midlands unite behind the banner of do this for the Midlands, with the exception of things like Scout, maybe. But since we're talking specifically about Republican presidential candidates, let's talk about the upstate and the Grand Strand. Those are two fast-growing regions of the state with a high number of GOP voters. And Gavin, we heard a lot from the people we talked to that there's been a great deal, perhaps, of overlap between the upstate and the Grand Strand, again, home to Horry County. Yeah, and the Grand Strand is also home to medieval times. Yeah, well, it's okay. Well, it's just just there. Margaritaville. Uh, But I'll focus, yes. When we talk to Republican legislators, operatives, and party leaders, everyone zeroed in on the big region at play these days, the Grand Strand. It's recorded a big population bump from folks up north and has become such fertile ground for GOP voters that the state party now holds a big convention there every year. Trey Walker called the surge nothing short of remarkable. What's happened with O'Ree is nothing short of remarkable because you've had a very homogenous in-migration of folks from what I consider to be sort of pensioners, Rust Belt retirees, teachers, cops from the Midwest, from the Northeast who are looking to retire, who were able to convert their pensions and their homes into a nice nest egg to live in Myrtle Beach in a nice, you know, 
1,300 square foot condo or apartment. And so you've seen over time, Ory County's uh, role in the nominating process in not only the presidential, but in gubernatorials, you've seen them rise in not only numbers, but in prominence and then effect. And I'll give you a good example of that. In the 2018 gubernatorial, Republican gubernatorial runoff, Governor McMaster and John Warren, you remember John Warren uh, had a very substantial margin in Greenville. And another political consultant one time remarked to me afterwards, if you'd have told me that a candidate would get close to 70% of the primary runoff vote in Greenville County and lose the statewide primary, I would have said, you're crazy. To which I responded, well, that's because you haven't been paying attention to O'Ree County. So conversely, Governor McMaster got almost 75% in O'Ree County, and O'Ree County turned out one and a half times more voters in the runoff than Greenville did, and that was able, along with Lexington and some other counties, to, to sort of give the governor that margin in that runoff. And that, to me, is the most striking change in the last decade is O'Ree's prominence. So what's next for the state GOP, you might be asking yourself? Well, party leaders say they're now dominant in the upstate and the Grand Strand. So, yeah, what is next? Well, here's Drew again to wrap this up. You can go back and you can look at where growth is in South Carolina. I mean, uh, we've seen you know, big growth in the Grand Strand area. Uh, there's still growth in the upstate. We've got growth in places like York County, just below Charlotte. Uh, and um, uh, in some places, you know, I've got a lot of retirees even moving to places like McCormick County, you know, that are much more Republican than they used to be. I mean, we're winning countywide races in McCormick County, for gosh sakes. I mean, you know, who would have expected that, you know, 10 years ago? Nobody. And uh, when you look at, uh, say, Sun City down in the Hilton Head area in Bluffton, well, that's bleeding over into Jasper County and Hampton County now with growth that's coming in down there. You know, we won a state house seat in Hampton County for the first time uh, since uh, the end of the Civil War. You know, so you got measures of growth that are going on everywhere. Uh, I'd say, obviously, that's particularly concentrated uh, and just because of population increase there. And it's definitely going to play a role in the Republican primary in this coming presidential primary and years beyond. Gavin, there's just so much to know about South Carolina's regions. And you know what? I've got an idea. Executive decision. I'm the driver of this car. We're making it a part two. I mean, can we? <laughs> We're doing it! Oh my god, Gavin! Gavin, you can't just stop in the middle of Ravenel Bridge in the heart of Charleston. <laughs> Mayan, this is the low country. Things are super chill here. We're just gonna park the car and uh, just wait for the next episode. No, we're, we're not moving. I'm, I'm just satisfied sitting here. There are several lanes on this bridge. Wow. Wasn't Mayan good there, folks? Her first pod taking the reins like that. So good. Man, she's a natural. Hey, whoa! 18, this is not a wind-down section! You can't talk! I'm on the bridge! How are you still on the bridge? <sighs> Sorry about that, folks. But in future episodes, we'll further explore where the battlegrounds are in our state, what it takes to win here, how campaigns work, the history of dirty tricks in our politics, and we'll even look in detail at the past three primary winning campaigns. And then we're going to give you everything you need to know about the 2024 candidates and how to vote in the February 24th primary. Subscribe to the South Carolina Lead wherever you find podcasts, and we'll have a new SC 2024 designated episode every other Tuesday. 
You can find out about the primary, the latest news from the trail, and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org slash SC2024, your home for campaign 2024 coverage. As always, thanks for listening to the pod, and make sure to show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. I promise we're going to change the greeting to the voicemail box. You can also text us. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I don't want to do more. (laughs) Someone say scared. I can do this. I can do this.